Hi and welcome to the Journalism Salute. I'm Mark Simon. In each episode, we'll talk to or about an interesting person or organization related to journalism. The intent is to show that journalists are not the enemy of the people. Thank you for listening. On today's show, we're joined by Cesar Rodriguez, a photojournalist and Ground Truth Fellow. You might have heard our recent interview with photojournalist Ariana Naruzzi a couple of episodes ago. The Ground Truth folks told me that Cesar also has a distinct story to tell. He joins us today from Mexico. Hi, Cesar. Uh, thank you for joining us. Hi. Uh, nice to meet you, and thank you for your invitation. Cesar's work has been published in the Washington Post magazine, National Geographic, the Huffington Post, and the New York Times, among many other places. His work has also been shown worldwide. He's also a filmmaker and a podcaster. Sounds like he's pretty busy. All right. So first of all, you're also a little older than uh, Ariana Naruzzi was. You've had a career that, that's fairly well developed at this point. Can you tell us first about the different stops in your career? Uh, yeah, well, I didn't start right away into photography or journalism. I, I had a, like a chocolate factory um, for five years. And after that, I just had enough of being in one place and just making chocolate. So I decided to close it after one, after the February 15th. You know, the February 14th is a big uh, St. Valentine's Day, big for chocolate. So I decided to wait for that day. And the next day I just closed it. And I started to to pursue photography. I mean, I I didn't know how. That's why I opened my chocolate factory, because I was afraid. Um, into I was afraid of being a photographer. But I just, I decided to jump to the abyss and just try it, no? And... I started to take photos for myself, uh, to go to some uh, traditional parties or uh, like indigenous uh, or religious things here that I was photographing for myself, trying to build some photo essays. And that's how I started. Then I realized or I found out about a workshop, uh, the Eddie Adams workshop. And I just apply four times and at the fifth time, I think I got in. And I think that was for me the beginning of my career because I met a lot of people, a lot of uh, editors there. I come or, or I live in a small town here in Mexico. Uh, there aren't many or just like one or two other photographers that do the same kind of work that I do. So I was more or less on my own. And after this workshop, uh, it just opened my eyes that there was a world out there. And after that, uh, Marie Monteleone, she's uh, an editor of Bloomberg, she contacted me and she told me that if I was interested on working with her, and I say, of course, <laughs> I was. And after that, I, I just started working as a photojournalist and some other editors uh, saw my work and started uh, contacting me, and, and that's how I more or less started. Wow, um, there's a lot of questions to come out of that. Um, how did your upbringing influence uh, your decision to become a journalist? I, I don't. My family is like very traditional here. Nobody was into arts or is into arts or some kind of uh, other path than maybe. Uh, my mother is a psychologist. My father is a a veterinarian 
I, I, at the beginning, I started to study um, business. I didn't finish business. I, I didn't have any like contact with photography in this kind of way. Uh, I maybe saw some National Geographic uh, magazines or some other like that, but it wasn't into my background uh, per se. Uh, I just, my mother uh, always told me that I had some kind of arts in my being. She she was the one that suggested me to study photography instead of business, but I'm very stubborn, so I decided to start uh, to study business. And now she tells me, you see, you lost a lot of time studying business, and now you're into photography. And um, uh, the and the other thing was the the chocolate factory. Um, was the chocolate good? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I had it for five years, so uh, it was the first one here in in my my city, and it was really good. It was nice. It was a big, uh, I mean, a good business. But I mean, I have to be there from seven or six in the morning to eleven at night all year long. I know it's it's. I mean, that's that's some some works are like that, no. But I just had enough because it was only me. It was. I, I didn't have any employees, so I, I was really frustrated uh, after a while because I didn't know what to do. And as I told you, I opened this chocolate factory because I, I say to myself, okay, I'm going to, to do this chocolate factory until I know how to be a photographer. But the business was good, so I just forgot about photography. Okay. Um, so... What, how would you describe your style and how has it developed over the years? Well, I think that my style has developed since the beginning. I, I started photographing uh, people or things. Uh, it has changed a lot, maybe, and it's still developing. I don't consider that I have a particular style. Uh, I just, for my personal projects, I like black and white. That's the only thing that I like uh, or that I can say that that's my style. But um, I think it's influenced, it's getting influenced by all the things that I see. Um, so I think it's evolving every time my, my style. I just want to note though that the Ground Truth Fellowships were for global migration, refugees, and resettlement reporting, narrative-driven multimedia stories of migration and resettlement shaped by climate change, economic and social instability, war and famine, and the COVID-19 COVID pandemic. Cesar's, Cesar's project focused on seeing a Mexican migrant camp through a child's eyes. The work began in February 2020. It was published in Mother Jones in March, and it's linked in the show notes. Can you tell us about this project from the very beginning to the finished product? Yeah, um, this project was thought at the beginning in a completely different way, or or uh, many like many changes have have passed. Uh, when I pitched it, there was no COVID at the beginning, so uh, my point was to go there to document their lives. It was to film a short film, and also to develop some kind of collaboration with the people that were there in that migrant camp um, I was thinking of maybe they could shoot photos themselves and or they can choose the photos it, it was different no but then the pandemic or the pandemic arrived and 
the the whole camp was fenced up so i couldn't go inside freely um the people were desperate to tell the stories but the like the the immigration people were not letting any anybody pass so i went there uh and i started to i started to convince the the, the authorities uh like um if i could go there no and at the beginning i interviewed some doctors i talked to them inside the camp and uh, after a while that same day i would wander around the, the camp talking to people it was my third time there so i knew a lot of a lot of people who were living there and so we started to to take photos to talk to them and then the, the the people the authorities were very strict so they they told me some days that i could go in some days that i couldn't go in so i was very frustrated because my my original idea was changing and i was debriefing with my wife i was debriefing with uh ben brody who is my uh like he was he was my mentor at, in this grant and also with a friend chris chris lee and I was like talking to them and trying to get ideas and Chris and my wife suggested why don't you take photos and maybe color let them color them uh, or maybe write some things so I tried that I went to uh, the, the photos that I had already taken I went to a like a, a small uh, coffee factory co coffee uh, small shop and they printed these copies, like black and white copies, and they printed by error like that. It wasn't meant to be like that, but I say, okay, let's try like that. No? And I bought some colors, some markers, and the, day, the next day I went uh, with the people there and I told them my idea that they could write, they could uh, paint it however they wanted, uh, tell stories, tell messages. So I handle all the photos to the people and i just uh, gave them the colors and the next day i would come and they will give me the the prints print uh colors and it was very nice because they told me that that was something new for them and some kind of uh stress relief and the whole family was there uh, painting um it was very shocking also because in some uh, copies they would write that some kids they would write i don't know five times i want to get out of here i want to get out of here i want to get out of here so after that reading them it was like really really tough no that these kids were thinking this and and yeah that was one one part of the of the project and the other one was i let i gave them voice recorders so they could tell the stories and also i would leave them the, the voice recorder and the next day i will uh they will give me the voice recorder and i would just hear the the stories and after that i i put together in a short film and yeah it was like that wow that's um the photos in particular are very powerful um there was one that that kind of stuck with me um two kids lying down on a mat uh, and one of them had like a big yellow ray, like the sun, uh, coming right at them, trying to explain uh, so that people can get an idea. You, the article is linked in the show notes. 
but uh, very powerful, more powerful than just the photo itself, certainly, um, and what they're going through. Did you have a goal in mind for what you wanted that assignment to, like, what you wanted people to get from seeing that? And that was for me the first time that I done that, like, um, that kind of collaboration with the people that I'm taking photos, no? And I, I don't know if I felt uh, really close to them. For me, it was I, I was trying to get other people empath empathy uh, with these photos. Like, you know, your kids could color these photos and uh, maybe it was, it, it is going to be the same result. Uh, but maybe your kids are not stuck here as uh, in a migrant camp, but these kids are. So um, they are just kids painting uh, photos, painting something, uh, because they're just kids, no? But they are suffering or they are living a lot of stuff. And um, the messages that they write, I, I just want people to get empathy or to think that they're kids, they're not... Uh, I don't know, bad people or something, but their kids trying to live, uh, I don't know, five-year-old kids just painting, um, writing messages, writing or, or drawing this sad face son is, is really like, uh, for me, it's very revealing, no? Because I didn't tell them anything and they, they, they drew this son with a tear and a sad face and like the kids painting this. It's like the, the innocence of young kids combined with the, the difficulty of the situ the reality, the situation that they're um, actually in. Uh, certainly a very uh, vivid uh, set of photos. Um, I wanna go back to another uh, project that you worked on. 2019, you did a photo essay for El País uh, that was later picked up by Time Magazine. A drug cartel had mistaken a group of moms and children in a car for their rivals and set the car on fire, killing the people in it. You met with the family of the victims, of some of the victims, and watched them process everything, right down to building the coffins. What was that like, and why was that uh, assignment? Uh, what What did you get from doing that assignment? Um. That assignment was was very tough. Um, actually, the uh, the editor Hector Guerrero, he contacted me because I live in a really small town, so I have to take a bus and then I have a three hour bus to, to the airport, and then take just a plane. Also, he he contacted me at night. He told me something bad has happened. Uh, do you want to go there? And this this part is really dangerous, no uh, cartels and all that. So I was a little afraid of going. Uh, I was a little doubtful, but I say, okay, well, let's let's go. Um, we set up some measures, security measures, and me and uh, the writer um, Pablo Ferri, we went there. And I was first surprised because we were the first ones to arrive. It was only like this this big uh, TV channel that was there, but we were the first one. So that first, because we were the first one, maybe I felt that uh, people relate to us really, really fast, uh, the, the people that were suffering, the, the victims. And so they greet us good and well, and they were very tired. So they told us, 
come tomorrow morning and we can talk. And we arrived the next morning and I was talking to one of the father, the parent, the father of, of one of the women that got killed, got assassinated. And he told me, you can take photos of anything. Uh, please uh, try to, to express with photos what I'm feeling. Um, try to express or to tell the, the world how we're dealing with this. So please feel free to do anything. So it was, I, I, I took it as a responsibility, uh, like a big responsibility, no? Because I was there hearing their stories and seeing them cry, seeing them suffer. And for me, it was like, okay, I have to do something meaningful, not just some photos that uh, illustrate this, but something that uh, touches some uh, other people. Um, but yeah, it was it was really tough to, to be there um, with the families, with them building the coffins, uh, burying them. I don't know. It was it was really tough. When I was there, a time editor um, he contacted me and he told me that they were interested if they could publish some photos and they publish it. And I and we were talking by phone, and I was just more or less um, telling him the story, but also like. Uh, crying or about to cry because I, it, it was a lot of stuff that it was uh, there, no? Um, but yeah, um, and then with the years I have uh, seen again uh, the family or the parents and they they greet me well, so I think we we managed to do something meaningful. How do you emotionally separate from what you're taking pictures of? I don't think I can do that. <laughs> it's very tough for me. Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm interviewing families or or just people with very hard stories or very tough ones, and I'm crying behind the lens, no? Or uh, it, it just uh, it's really tough. Um, and I think I don't know if it's good or bad, but I I just take it all in. And I don't express it. I express it there at the moment, like really, yeah, uh, emotional. I can cry. I can, I can feel a lot of empathy for, for the families. But when I back, when I'm back at home, I try to close it. I can imagine that that's that that's got to be difficult. You've shot earthquake recovery. You've shot presidential elections. Uh, what were those like to photograph from up close? Um, again, well, the, the earthquake was very, um, I went not to the big city, not to Mexico City. I went to small towns around Mexico City and it was really uh, shocking, but also really revealing because all the, the people were coming together to help other families. Uh, they were cleaning the streets, the, the briefs, they were, it was a lot of, um, collaborative I don't know if that's a word because everybody was helping each other so it was really good to see that like people can help other people um, no matter if they know them or not uh, just volunteers were coming in in waves to help other people and that was that was good the presidential election it was it was also I took it like a part of of the of history because uh, this president um, it was a big change no, for Mexico and when he was announced the winner 
I went to the street to take photos on assignment and there were people crying because they were happy and um, like it was very different from other presidential elections because everybody, well not everybody, no, but the majority were cheering, were chanting, crying, uh, they were happy and it was it was interesting and and I'm thankful for the editors that gave me this kind of work uh, because I can be in the history, you know, I can uh, be witness like, in the front place of the of the history. You're document, yeah, you're documenting history. Uh, and speaking of documenting, you do documentary filmmaking as well. Uh, you have one, If Hell Existed, 50 Years of the War on Drugs. It looks like it's two stories. You have one individual story about a specific uh, person uh, and then a bigger story about the overall war on drugs. Uh, and still photos play, they appear to play a pretty big role in this documentary. Uh, can you tell us about it? Yeah, um, I started this project, um, I don't remember how many years ago, I'm really bad with dates, but um, I tried to, to capture violence in Mexico, uh, in, in all over Mexico, but it's just too much. Um, Mexico is violent everywhere. So I, I tried to pinpoint some, some places, some um, like people, not, not just places. And I'm trying to tell this, it is still ongoing. Um, I'm trying to tell their stories, uh, but it's because it's so wide, um, it's very tough to, to, get, to get it right because, because it's so wide, you can get lost no, in, in everything and not just one thing. And yeah, I, I try to do also video and, and photos. And also one thing is that I'm, I tried to, for, for a lot of years, I, I, I didn't touch my city, my state, because I was afraid, because I work here, I live here, and I was afraid of the, the repercussions. But it just got so bad here also in my city that I just had to, to take it, and, and I started to document my city also, and hopefully nothing has, or nothing is going to happen. Right now, nothing has happened, uh, no repercussions. But yeah, it's it's really big, this, this topic. And, and I sometimes get lost um, because I don't know how to, how to focus it because it, it's so wide. Um, so it's still developing the, the short film. is still also on develop. I, I have a like a trailer of, of this short film, um, and it's also big um, investment, and that's a personal project, so that's that comes from my mind. What is filmmaking like for you? It adds um, a lot of e uh, layers. More um, uh, you get sound, you can see faces moving. Uh, I think it. It's another outlet that adds to the layers of, of your um, of your of your final report. No, just a, f a fast story how I started in f into this. Um, I was assigned. I was the assistant of one of one photographer, 
and he told me before he hired me he told me uh, do you want to no do you know short uh, how to do film we were talking by phone and I said yeah of course I didn't know anything about uh, movies and so he gave me the job uh, we met in person and I told him to be honest I don't know how to shoot film or shoot uh, movies uh, but I, I can learn and he told me okay this is how you do it really fast and, and I started doing that and after that I fell in love of also movie making and uh, but I think it adds a lot and to be a, a good movie maker I think you have to be related to uh, the best of the of the best in, in this kind of not not being a one-man orchestra but you know the best editor the best uh, sound designer or something like that so I try to to delegate that because I don't I'm not good at that so is there a project that you would like to do uh, that you haven't done yet? And with that, is there a story that you'd like to do that uh, you've done some very sad, very uh, upsetting kind of stories? Is there a happy story that you might like to pursue? Um, yeah, I mean, well, uh, the first question, I want to continue this project on the migrant camp. The, the migrant camp is, is gone is not it doesn't exist anymore but they migrate some of them they they were allowed to pass to the united states and i'm keeping in touch with them so i would like to go and visit them and take photos of them and you know just uh, recently one of the women sent me a message that she wants to release a book and uh, i was invited to the opening of, of her book to the presentation so i want to it's in boston so i would like to go there and just be there and i'm doing some other project on corn heritage corn native corn here in mexico and i'm trying to do also like a, a, a movie and photos of the the people who are trying to save corn or native corn in mexico um, because native corn in mexico is uh, endangered some of the species so I um, we have like six, 63 different types of corn here in Mexico and I want to create a map of I don't know like an interactive map of where you can find each of these corns in Mexico and I'm just visualizing and you click some part and then maybe a short essay or a small short film would come and it will tell the story of this corn of the people who are trying to uh, produce it and all that. Like that's not a, a tough or a harsh story, no? <laughs> I suppose so. Is there a happier one that you want to do? I think that one, the, the heritage corn, yeah, it can be like a happy one. Um, like people trying to trying to keep up with the corn and in a happy way. <laughs> and then one other thing that you do, just as it seemed like it's kind of a thing on the side, um, you have a podcast yourself uh, about books. What, what can you tell us about your podcast? Yeah, my podcast is um, Los Libros de los Fotógrafos in Spanish. And it's about what photographers, photojournalists or just photographers uh, like to read. It's not about photo books. It's just more like if they like to read novels or science fiction or uh, non-fiction. 
So I'm, I'm interviewing um, photographers, friends, most of them, uh, and just asking them if some book maybe has inspired them to do a project. And most of my episodes until now are in Spanish. But now I'm also introducing uh, in English some of them. And yeah, it's, it's about that. It's yeah, about that. that's cool. Um, and how has Ground Truth been helpful to you? Uh, they were really helpful uh, since the beginning of, the, of, of this. And again, the, uh, the workshop, the Eddie Adams, that's where I met Ben Brody. And he, he sent me the, like the, the grant that I should apply to. So it was, for me, it is all related. And the Ground Truth is, is really helpful. I mean, uh, they were there when my project was uh, not very clear. Uh, they were giving me advices. They were giving me some uh, leads to, to follow. And um, yeah, like um, Ben and all the team, uh, Wilson and I don't know, just Beth, everyone has been very helpful, very like they have followed my work and they have um, very, they have been very supportive. All right. Our last question uh, is we ask everyone at the end of the episode, is there a journalism organization other than Ground Truth that you would like to salute because of the good work that they do? Um, yeah, there are. I, I can think about maybe there are a lot of them, but I can think about uh, the Bronx Documentary Center in New York. Um, also the the Overseas Press Club of America, um, because they gave grants when there was no no work on anything. They because of COVID they they gave grants just to whoever who applied. So that was a, a really good relief for for journalists who didn't have work. And also uh, Fundación Gabriel García Márquez in Colombia, which is giving grants to journalists. Um, uh, workshops and all that so I can think about those three but there are a lot of, of organizations that are doing something and just to 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 the people from the industry grants are, are essentially the key to you being able to do this right yeah yeah I mean I I just applied to grants uh, all all these personal projects and they well they give me money to develop these grants all right uh, Cesar Rodriguez, uh, thank you for taking the time to join us. Best of luck in uh, the future projects that you do. Thank you, Mark. Ground Truth's mission is to restore journalism from the ground up by supporting the next generation of journalists through field reporting that serves undercovered corners of the United States and the world. You can find them at thegroundtruthproject.org. Thank you for listening to the Journalism Salute. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at JournalismPod, and you can email us at JournalismSalute at gmail.com.